Not just a hat rack. All right. So we do some review. We're going to do some review. So keep your finger in Ecclesiastes 5, but uh, feel free to refer back to Ecclesiastes 1, because that's what we're reviewing right now. These are the words of the preacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Who is this? Say that but louder so it sounds like you actually believe it. There we go. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Vanity, what does that mean? Empty. Smoke. Vapor. Vapor. Smoke. Vapor. Hmm? And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What? What is wisdom? What is the? Oh, let's, let's make this one particularly easy. What is the beginning of wisdom? There we go. Is it the end of wisdom? No. Fear. Fear is I am a sinner. God is three times holy. That's the beginning. <laughs> We move forward from there, <laughs> all right? We move forward from there. Chapter 2, review. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Behold, but behold, this also was vanity. What are the options for when the preacher wrote this book? We talked about kind of three broad windows of time in which Solomon could have written this book. After the T-shirt. <laughs> After the T-shirt. <laughs> I think I'd agree with that. Uh, the three main categories to come up with were before his, the majority of his life, during his actual reign, and then afterwards. Which one do we think? Afterwards. Late? Late in, the, late in his reign? Extra credit question. Yeah, it does. It sees some things. Extra credit question. How long did Solomon reign? Uh, how long did David reign? Oh, how long did Saul reign? And what do we call that period of time? Saul, David, Solomon. The United Kingdom, the United Monarchy, so as to differentiate itself from that little tiny island in Europe. Ecclesiastes 3, time for everything. How do we know what that time is? Does God, does God frequently come to you and say, it's time for you to get married? It's time for you to have kids. It's time for you to change your job. What's that? <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to say that for an afternoon fellowship sometime. That comment that, that I just had right there, see that? That's, that's growth. That's wisdom. That's maturation. A time I'm, to hold back. <laughs> time to hold back. See that? See that? <laughs> I am holding back right now. How do we know? How do we know? Because look, go ahead. Go ahead. I would agree. I would agree, but, but life has deadlines on it, right? And the only, right now, here in the center front of this class, I will tell you the one thing that I know with great certainty that, 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 the God, that God wants you to do. Don't sin anymore. And the inverse of that would be glorify God, right? All the specifics, I don't have, I don't have that level of fidelity. And so... Um, yeah, I would agree with Sam. I would 100% agree with Sam. Um, but don't, don't necessarily expect 
him to tell you to take this job or that job. I would say, um, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I would say um, you got to put God first in your decision making, right? And um, I know that that is super hard for me sometimes because I guess well, why not bother God with a rel relatively rudimentary, mundane decision like you know I think I need a better job, right? But um, I'm going to give you an example. So my wife and I, we used to watch a show called Homestead Rescue, right? And um, these people would pick the absolute most destitute, busted pieces of land that they got for like $2 an acre. And in one particular episode, this dude, this dude bought 200 acres of Arizona desert, right? For $2 an acre. But there's no groundwater. There's no groundwater. And when we make our decisions, when we make our decisions, often we don't ask our we don't ask, is there living water? Is there some place where I'm gonna get fed when I move my family to this place? Is there some place for my family to serve the Lord God Almighty when I go to this place? And what we're gonna say is, well, God's there. Yeah, for sure, He is, absolutely. Absolutely. Hundred percent. God's everywhere. But where are you gonna get fed? And um a lot of times, we don't necessarily, and look, look, I have, this is not something that I have 100% gotten right. That's clearly not it. But you need to ask that question. Where am I going to find my living water? Where am I going to find my accountability? Where am I going to find my Christian community? Because otherwise, I'm going to be just out here with nobody to say, hey, brother, you know that thing that you that, that I didn't say? I probably would have said it, right? And there would be nobody to check me if I'm just out there. So um, I would say that if you put God first and you figure out the things that are essential, like where 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 am I going to find? Where am I going to get fed? Where am I going to serve? Then you won't necessarily buy 200 acres of Arizona desert. With no, with no groundwater. They had to dig down a quarter mile, a quarter of a mile to get water. Ecclesiastes 4. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and I thought the dead who are already dead, more fortunate than living, who are still alive. Somebody try and flip that and give me a New Testament, New Covenant perspective on oppression. Okay, so that's if you're under oppression. We're about to see it. Somebody else. We should do all that we can to lift the oppression of others, knowing that we cannot eradicate it before there is a second coming of Christ. And so trust that the Lord you know, is sovereign and will mm -hmm. do justice. Amen. And if you can't fix it, he will. It'll get sorted. Anybody else got a comment on that? And finally, we get to the, uh, the chapter we're actually in. Um, 1 through 12. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. How are we rash from our mouths towards God? Complaining about our circumstances? Ooh. Ooh. Please say more about that. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Cody Bacchus says, if you can't say amen, say ouch. ouch I'm saying ouch. I'm saying ouch. <laughs> so a lot, uh, sometimes, especially when we're newer believers, or I think I've done it even as 
as an older believer. Lord, if you'll just X, Y, Z, I promise I'll X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah, the conditional thing. Yeah, the conditional, the conditional. Making conditions with desperation. A God who already has everything. 510. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. What is a proper attitude towards money for a disciple of Jesus? It's his money. Mm. Yeah, let's start there. <laughs> let's start there. Sam? I think a good attitude uh, towards money is in the parable of the talents. Making sure that what we are given is used properly and that we are stewarding it correctly. Using it as a tool, not a club. I'm not using my money to club somebody over the head with, hey, look at this. It's a tool to how can I use this to either support missions, actually just go down the list of things you can do with money that is beneficial to the kingdom of God and making sure we keep a proper focus on heavenly things, not monetarily things. So, do we all agree that part of properly stewarding the Lord's money, as Sister Sarah pointed out, means making sure he gets his cut off the top? Yeah. All right. Um, as you look at it with a New Testament lens, it comes with experience. So how are, how are we rash with our mouths towards God, right? So there's three or four times in the Gospels where Jesus reprimands Peter, right? And he even, even gets to the point where he calls him Satan because he's so quick to pop off at the mouth. He is a little quick. And that doesn't come, the, the ability for that to happen, right? Very, very often you see young folks they want to raise their hand and give every answer, and they have no life experience, right? And so they haven't really even experienced uh, God in some points. And in the same way, like changing your attitude towards money, a lot of people will say, oh, uh, like we're talking to our older uh, son right now because he has a job and he's making money. And I'm like, hey, man, have you thought about tithing? And he's like, no. I haven't, and no, I don't want to give my money to church, right? And so it's something that he's going to have to dig through. And I think when when I think of money, the the spirit that Jesus wants us to have is the Pharisees are giving all this money, and oh, look how much I'm giving to the poor. And then the young lady or the the woman puts in one talent and said like, and he's like, she sacrificed more for the kingdom of God than they ever did. Right, so it should be sacrificial giving with a cheerful heart. Sacrificial giving with a cheerful heart, and so um, is that. Is that ten percent? Question mark. I, I think a ten percent is the minimum, and anything over that, you should follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I mean, definition of tithe means. Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, you've got, you got that, and then you've got gifts and offerings, too. Yeah. You've got what you would like to do in terms of what you want to give above and beyond that. Tithe is never mentioned in the New Testament. Right, and it's right. not a salvation issue. Nope. Right. So, so what, what, tithe is easy, the 10%. Really what you're supposed to give is what you're able to give, mm -hmm. and then as you grow more, you give more, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, like me and Sarah, when we were talking to DJ about giving money, we were like, our first tithe check that we gave was 32 bucks. Last month was a lot more than $32. Praise the Lord. Right? Praise the Lord, because he gave us the, 
the ability to do that. Experiential old man wisdom right here. Getting started is never easy because it's always going to be sacrificial and it's always going to stink. All right, getting started is always hard, right? Um, uh, but it gets easier once you do it, right? Um, anyway, good discussion, good review. Now let's go to the actual thing that we're actually studying today. Chapter 13. Ecclesiastes 5, 13-15. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Let's go back. Under the sun, what does that refer to in this book? Earthly. Earthly. Uh, not under heaven, not, not godly. So, naturalistic. Somebody, somebody in their own words, what did he just say? Paraphrase them, please. sad, is it not? Um, last one. What's the remedy? And we're New Covenant Disciples of Jesus when we answer this question. If it feels like I'm harping on that, I, I am, just so we're clear. What's to have the attitude, I think, we were talking about previously, on how we should look at, at money and wealth. Mm -hmm. um, kind of in, in the context of our picture is if someone passes away, you have an executive will, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You execute the will Really profound perspective. Thank you. Um, I'm totally ripping that off. Thanks. Um, yeah. So we get funny about money because we're Westerners, we're capitalists, we like our money, and we work for our money. But I think in some time, at, at some point, we have to have a much more holistic and um, sovereign view of our sovereign in that every last aspect of our ability to earn money in our capitalistic system, of which I am a fan, um, was given to you by your creator. We, we accept that, right? We, we, we understand that, right? And so if he gave you everything that allows you to earn whatever sum that is, who does that actually, who gets the credit for that, right? And uh, sometimes we lose, we lose sight of that, right? I work for this, I earned for this, I worked these hours, I did this. And all of those, if, you had, if I had been differently abled, that equation looks different. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Somebody read 16 through 20. This also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus will he die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? 
Throughout his life, he also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, and to enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given, given him, for this is his reward. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also empowered him to eat from them and receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he will not often consider the years of his life, because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. When? What is it? In this verse, this passage? Something that's here one second and gone. Absolutely, absolutely. And what what <laughs> what does toiling after the wind look like? Because um, what is toiling after the wind? Has anybody? I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and fess up on myself. I have toiled after the wind. Yeah. I've chased either either um, money or just a better job. I've done that without any regard to. Um, and that was a twofold. That was twofold. A twofold uh, sin on my part. One, I was really, really ungrateful for the job I had. All right, and vocally ungrateful for the job I had. When, in point of fact, the job I had actually met my material needs at that point, which I should be at some point grateful. See the previous talk, the thing we just talked about. Um, and two, there was no, there was no thought whatsoever into what was more glorifying to God um, in the new job. Just not right, and so um, uh, I've learned from my mistakes. But um, yeah, I can't even say that I've always done. I can't even say that I usually did that. Mostly did that. So how do we not do that? Because everybody changes jobs. Go ahead. Well, I think Ephesians three eight. Ooh, thank you. Um, Hold on, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get there. This is Paul speaking. And I think it kind of goes back to what we reviewed a little bit, and that is to when we're talking about for everything under the sun there's a time, we see fullness as all the good stuff, mm-hmm. but we need to see the conjugate fullness, which is all the bad stuff, yeah. because what we see in all that, and, and Paul's going to get to that, is that it's actually the working of Christ in us in, in Ephesians 3.8. To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So I think that's the thing that we have. Mm-hmm. And then to bring light for everyone, and it goes on and on and on. And then down in verse 10, it says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith with him. That all sounds positive, but look at the next sentence. So I ask you, not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your Lord. So it's this idea of not taking a bad situation, not you know taking you know lemons and making lemonade, but realizing that actually those situations are a gift of grace from God, mm-hmm. because we realize the fullness on both sides. Yes, it's not just one thing. We don't preach just this success all the time. Mm-mm. You know, Jesus is there in the darkness as well. Yes. And so suffering in a strange way, when I suffer, I actually participate in the glories of Christ when Jesus glorified the Father even greater by suffering for us. Yes. So 
it's a way to understand glory that is bizarre to the to the unwashed mind. Well, in order to understand our faith, you have to understand that it's upside down, <laughs> way upside down, right? Um, it's upside down from, uh, I'm reading a book called Biblical Critical Theory. And uh, it's not, um, <laughs> it's not, but, but one of the things that he, that uh, a recurring, a recurring concept in the book is um, a U-shaped curve versus an N-shaped curve. The U-shaped curve is God, God's up here, God's up here. And God uh, calls Ab Abraham, and Abraham believes, and so you get a U-shaped curve, right? In that God does it first, God does it first, and there's, it's not a reciprocity thing, it's not like, it's not like Every other false god, where I have to burn a baby on the on the on the altar of Moloch to get a really great reward. No, 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 no. God did, God initiated, and then I just react because I'm alive now, right? Belief, call, and so, um, which is different from an N-shaped curve. It's actually an inverted U, but sacrifice, reward. This is our God's model over here, right? Which is completely counter to every other system. And um, it's, it's counter to physics, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Um, uh, and so um, when, we're under, when we're understanding God, we have to understand that his curve is this way, right? He does it, and then we respond, as opposed to us do it, and then we get something from it. Make sense? All right. There, and I just now, so now you know how to buy this really, 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 it's like, it, it, it's a doorstop. It is such a huge book. I did not know it was going to be this big. And they tell you at Amazon, so it's my fault. But, um, Yes. You know, so that's a really good visual for me for bartering righteousness sometimes. Yes. God already got everything. What, 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 what you got? What, what do you have for that? All right. Oh, and your righteousness, the righteousness you offer him, he gave you. So, you know, you're really bargaining from a really weak position in that. Um, but we're going to talk just a minute about, about the concept because we, met, we touched on it in our review and in our lesson. And I have nine minutes. Let's talk about the very very, very controversial topic of free will. Josh Miller, did God pick the color socks you wear today? Well, see. <laughs> 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 yes. I could argue both. I don't want to know what you could argue. What do you believe? I believe, Josh Miller believes, that God gave me the ability to pick what color socks to wear. Okay. So, God gave you in socks. In socks. Okay. Matt Hawk, did God pick your bride for you? Yes. Like, with specificity? 
<laughs> okay. All right. So where? Uh, so uh, if we got a, if we got a, how would I represent this? pushback on that is you're not God. That's not. <laughs> right? Um, because uh, uh, anybody else? Uh, if, if, there's, if there's this much difference between me and a child, how much greater between me and God? Right. What else? Anybody else got a different perspective? So, absolutely not. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. So, so 100% Peter had no ability to say no whatsoever, right? And, and, and here's what I would put it, like to put it, if we don't think about it in context. Hold so, on, I got to call the time out. We're not going to solve this in like six minutes, just so you know. <laughs> We're not going to solve this in six minutes. I just want to say, so you're, like, you're in the Army, right? Air Force. Air Force. So who's one of your superheroes? Like, like, if you have a mentor or somebody that is just like, like, if they came and talked to you and said, I want you to do this, you'd be like, Rob, that's sir, too easy. And you would just knock that. Well, you have lost that I have. I got you. But I'm just saying, like, not, not, not out of. People not that I admire, yeah, sure. Right, right. So imagine a superhero like that coming up to you and saying, I want you to come be part of my unit. Mm -hmm. Right? You're going to stay in faith. Like, like it's the best of the best. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to Peter when Jesus said, follow me. Right? Mm -hmm. it, since a boy, he's wanted to be called out by a rabbi to follow him. Right? Mm -hmm. And then now Jesus, a rabbi, that's like doing miracles. He doesn't know that he's God yet. He just knows that he's this miracle worker says, follow me, he's not gonna go, nah, I'm good. Right? It would be like it would be like your dream is to play in the NBA and Kobe Bryant sees you play and says, I'm gonna get you a spot on the Lakers, I got your spot on the Lakers, and then you go, nah, it's cool. You see what I'm saying? So he knows he's not going to say no. But did he still have the choice? And that's what we're I, but but I guess where I'm where I'm coming from is is like you can't you, you if you give him the choice Right? You say he has the free will to say no. Right? Then, then God isn't God. And what I mean by that is this. I'm not going to, never mind. I'm going to deal with that one. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, is that, like, the God that I serve, that we serve, that I believe as a brother in Christ, from watching you from far away, that you are a brother in Christ, that we serve, is so great and so powerful, right? That when he called me and said, Daniel Wordlow, like snatched my soul out of my body and gave me a new heart, mm -hmm. the, the, the words from a new lens that I look in the Old Testament, 
it is impossible for me to go, no, it's cool, I don't want to do it. Well, then, So, right? They're not. Yeah, they're yeah, not yeah, God's yeah. creed. Like they are created. Yeah. I'm just saying they're. They weren't. They're not image bearers. They're not image bearers. It, not for the same. Here's the main question. Yeah. Question: then. Does it take away from God's sovereignty if you were to say if He knows everything that is going to happen and He knows the choices that you're going to make? If that is the case, are they still your choices? Yeah. But so what Spurgeon, the way Spurgeon puts it, that I love it. He said, if I knew. Who was safe because God painted a stripe? Yellow stripe. Everybody's yeah, back. I would go around lifting up shirt tails. <laughs> Unfortunately, God didn't do that. So what must I do? Preach the gospel. Yeah. Right? So we preach the gospel, but the the New Testament, that lens that Sean was talking about, talks about the elect. It uses words that... I'm a segue. So then we're going to segue. I'm a segue off. No, I'm a segue. I'm a segue that. So like, since since unbelievers don't have that yellow stripe, since unbelievers don't have that yellow stripe, what are our two royal commandments? The law of Christ. Give me the whole part about the love God part. No, love God part. Love God part. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, right? And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, who is your neighbor? Everyone I come into contact. Sort of. Everybody who's not your brother or God is your neighbor. Hmm. All right, because First John, he talks about loving, a special love for your brothers and stuff like that, right? So we have three categories of people. We have God, neighbors, brothers. And we have a special love for the brothers. We have more patience, which is actually, I uh, tend not to. The thing about, because I figure y'all should know better, man. Dang. Uh, y'all know what mama and daddy been saying? Anyway. So, um, love your neighbor. The reason why we love our neighbor as we love ourselves is because that is how they know God. That is how they know. And we can't go around hating on somebody because they're a Muslim, because they're a Jew, because they're a homosexual, because they're transgender, because they're our neighbors still, and how else are they going to know who God is if we don't show them? This is how we know God. This is how we know God. This is how the household of God knows God. 66 books, right? How does unsaved, unsaved people come to find God? Through his people. It's, it's, that's not calculus. That's, that's, the, the, that's not even arithmetic. That's just straightforward, right? And so sometimes we get lost in... In, in, in the secular concept of he's not like me, so I can't I can't get down with that person. I can't even I can't even show basic kindness to that person. And that that can't be us. That can't be us. And in that we do have free will. Post salvation, you have the option of being obedient or being disobedient. Prior to salvation, your free will was just a bunch of you, you could only order off the, the dollar menu at Mickey D. Excellent discussion, Santa Claus is a brand. Hey God, thank you for this day, thank you for the lesson that we heard. Let's help us to take this into this next week and to look to the neighbors who are around us and to share the gospel with them and to be a light in the dark. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.